Welcome to the Game Informer Show, everyone. This is a weekly podcast covering the video game industry. Join us every Thursday for a discussion of the latest gaming news, reviews, and exclusive reveals alongside Game Informer staff and special guests from around the industry. I'm your host, Alex Van Aken, back from Japan. I'm not telling you where, uh, but I'm back. And today I'm joined by Kyle Hilliard. How you doing, Kyle? Hey, I never went anywhere. I've been here in Minnesota. <laughs> Thanks for uh, handling hosting last week. I listened. It was a good episode. It was cool to hear Reeves back on the show. It was, it was very good uh, listening while uh, traveling abroad. So thank good. you for handling all of that. Yeah. Thanks for letting me take it from you. I tried to have another uh, Blake has bad opinion segment but i was hoping <laughs> but he was he was busy we had a couple bands yeah. we were going to talk about but uh, we'll save those for next time yeah uh also joining us this week and rounding out the podcast this week uh marcus stewart my travel buddy what's going on marcus hey yeah i was in japan too with you in your luggage you brought me yeah i luckily you know i got like the the new medallion status and the weight limits, you know, ha- are waived for me. So we figured we'd just save some money, have Marcus get into the suitcase because he's, you know, a nimble guy. Yeah, I I dieted for weeks to to make the weight limit, so you wouldn't the, get uh, the flat Stanley is what they call that, right? <laughs> just, just where they stuff that's what they Stanley call it in I guess. an envelope and shipped them across the country. <laughs> we all know that story. Oh my gosh! I wow. Okay, I just had like flashbacks to that. Oh my god! Of getting I'm, stuffed in an envelope and shipped across the country. I was yeah, like, exactly. I, I don't know what that is. Flat. I standing. I didn't until it sounded like until a, you said the plot, and I was like, oh my god, I remember that. It's a, it's a children's book. Oh, okay. It sounded like innuendo at first. No, <laughs> nope. no. Just a real story of a kid who was flat who got stuffed in an envelope and shipped across the country because his parents were cheap. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Well. Marcus and I are back. Um, Hold on real quick. I googled Flat Stanley, and one of the first things is people also ask, what is the purpose of Flat Stanley? <laughs> you had a safe search on for that, right? <laughs> it's not sexual innuendo, so. Marcus. I don't know why you think it is. You just never know what's been adopted mm. and ter- and been you know tainted, yeah, no I, pun intended. I don't trust uh, the internet anymore, so... I just like the idea that the internet is like, what's his purpose? Why why do we have Flat Stanley? <laughs> <laughs> have you ever asked existential questions about your favorite children's books? I'm exactly. still hung up over the the hungry caterpillar and, and what what's the, the, the rainbow fish? Like, oh, I loved the rainbow fish. Yeah, like what's the deal with those scales? You know? <laughs> what's their purpose? What's it, what's it really trying to say? Didn't they have weren't they like embossed or whatever? So like they were raised from the yeah, page a little. It was the it was pretty much like the bougiest kids book. Yeah. Let's do it for Game Informer. Let's do it. Come on. That was the coffee yeah. table book. Well, that's for Game toddlers. Informer Gold, basically, right? That's it's true, like the actually, rainbow yeah. fish of game magazines. Definitely, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I don't know where to get either of them now. <laughs> but but they are high quality. Um anyways, we've got a uh, a big show. We're gonna be talking about Microsoft's um huge layoffs this week. Probably talk about the Last of Us uh, HBO show and how that's going, and then we've we've all been playing some games. Uh, Chia played up. We'll be talking a little bit about One Piece Odyssey some more. Uh, Pentiment, and if we have time, Case of the Golden Idol. Uh, but yeah, r- before we jump into the show, we are recording this uh, a couple hours after 
uh, it was announced that uh, fandom uh, had laid off uh, some of our peers and friends from Giant Bomb and GameSpot. So we just want to send love out to those people and encourage people to go and identify. You know, there's you can you can probably find the people pretty easily uh, if you search online and just go show them some support. If they have any, you know, some of them have Patreons and stuff. Just try to, if you if you can, go and support the people that were affected by uh, today's layoffs. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, former coworkers of mine from my stint at GameSpot, and then also Jason A. Striker, who worked at yeah. Game Informer for a long time before moving over to Giant Bomb. So yeah, just heartbreaking. I, 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 my the timing of my departure was right when fandom was taking over and everyone went into that with such optimism and everyone was really excited for the future. So it's, it's really heartbreaking to see this and, and please like, you know, if, if go reach out to those folks and, and help where you can uh, boosting their signals and all that stuff. Yeah. And man, there's, there's just been layoffs uh, across the gaming space this week on the media side of things, uh, journalism outlets, as well as, you know, actual developers at these studios uh microsoft laid off ten thousand people um amidst their ongoing activision blizzard acquisition this is um you know rough stuff um so just wanted to give people a heads up that this new section isn't going to be a fun one but i think it's we definitely need to be talking about this stuff uh you know number one to stay in the loop but number two you know uh, you know, there are, there, there are always people behind the scenes doing the unsung work on the games that we get to enjoy. Um, and it's uh, a big shame when they are caught up in, in layoffs. I think, you know, personally speaking, uh, I think layoffs are often a failure of management. And um, I've been affected by layoffs multiple times. Uh, my family has. Uh, and um, yeah, it's always awful. And I think in many cases can be avoided with proper foresight and uh, maybe sacrifice from folks at the top. That's my personal take, but uh, yeah, let's get into this story. We'll start with, we'll start with our uh, quick summation of uh, the events written by Wes. uh, And then we'll get to, we'll go to a, um, a Kotaku story um, that kind of wraps it up even more and all of this is kind of stemming from a, a bloomberg report that uh, occurred earlier this week so credit to goes to uh bloomberg and i believe um it was jason schreier at bloomberg so yeah let's get into this so um wes wrote up uh this news story gameinformer.com slash news saying quote microsoft has laid off ten thousand employees this news comes from a bloomberg report Detailing that Microsoft's layoffs come as the company attempts to reduce costs amid a larger economic slowdown. These layoffs uh, come against Microsoft's ongoing fight against the FTC to acquire Call of Duty makers Activision Blizzard for a staggering $69 billion. Bloomberg reports that some people at Bethesda Game Studios, which is hard at work on getting Starfield ready for its release sometime in the first half of this year, were laid off but that Halo Infinite developer 343 Industries was hit hardest in the company's portfolio of game studios. According to Bloomberg, Microsoft has plans to hire in, quote, strategic competitive areas, in quotes, like AI, but that other tech-focused departments like HoloLens and some engineering divisions were hit by these layoffs. Microsoft has not yet revealed exact numbers and specific departments surrounding this uh, massive wave of layoffs, 
Uh, another tech giant, Amazon, is in the middle of its own string of layoffs as the company aims to reduce its workforce by 18,000. Uh, and Wes kind of sums up the story, saying the hearts of Game Informer staff are with those who are affected by these layoffs. And yeah, so that's kind of like the uh, the fast and loose of it. Uh, if you have a subscription to Bloomberg, I mean, I just recommend going straight to the source. Um, but I know a lot of people don't have access to, might not have a uh, subscription to Bloomberg. Uh, so we're going to be going to Kotaku for round two on this story. Uh, so this was written by Levi Winslow. Uh, their headline reads, Microsoft slashes 10K jobs, including at Xbox and Halo Studios. Uh, getting into the body of the article, uh, it reads, quote, following rumors earlier this week from Sky News, a tech, uh, tech giant Microsoft has announced a slew of layoffs affecting 10,000 workers, some within its game studios, blaming slowing e-commerce sales and a potential economic recession. Kotaku has confirmed that a number of developers at 343 Industries, the Coalition, and Bethesda Game Studios are being laid off. Uh, according to a Bloomberg report, at least 878 positions in Microsoft's Washington location have been cut. Uh, Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella said the company began notifying effective employees today and plans to finish laying off the full 10,000 by Q3 of this year. Nadella attempted to spin the layoffs in a blog post, noting that the 10,000 cut jobs represent less than 5% of the total workforce. He claimed the company will invest in, quote, secure growth and long-term competitiveness, end quote, while providing support to folks impacted by the layoffs. The CEO added that because workers, quote, optimized their digital spend to do more with less, in quotes, some workforce reduction was necessary to align company costs and revenue with customer demands. However, he noted that Microsoft still plans to, quote, hire in key strategic areas, end quotes. When asked for comment, Microsoft pointed Kotaku to Nadella's statement. Uh, in recent times, affected Studio 343 Industries has had its hands full supporting Halo Infinite, the latest uh, entry in the long-running sci-fi FPS series. Uh, Bethesda, on the other hand, of course, working on Starfield. I'm starting to editorialize here. Um, it's just we've kind of gone over the recap yeah. at this point. Yeah, and then Coalition's in there too, which is the, the Gears yep. folks, you know. And uh, this isn't from uh, one of those write-ups, but there has been uh, some threads going around on Twitter um, lately uh, from developers. Patrick Wren uh, is the senior encounter designer on Jedi Survivor and formerly the senior multiplayer designer on Halo. Uh, and uh, on January 18th, Patrick uh, tweeted, uh, quote, the layoffs at 343 shouldn't have happened and Halo Infinite should be in a better state. The reason for both of those things is incompetent leadership up top during Halo Infinite development, causing massive stress on those working hard to make Halo the best it can be. In a follow-up tweet, Patrick uh, tweeted, quote, The people I worked every day with were passionate about Halo and wanted to make something great for the fans. They helped push for a better Halo and got laid off for it. Devs still there are working hard on that dream. Look at Forge. Be kind to them during this awful time. But yeah, so it sounds like a lot of the campaign team um, was let go, as well as uh, artists at 343. And then, of course, you know, uh, people at Zenimax Bethesda getting laid off as well. I was just Googling because I wanted to see when, how long Bethesda has been, you know, part of Microsoft. Yeah, uh, and it's it almost hasn't been a, that long. Yeah, it's been less than a year. I guess the, the sale was finalized on March 9th, which is, yeah, man, it's just so frustrating to like to see it because it's like 
Microsoft is throwing around all this money to acquire studios, and then they're in the middle of this Activision merger, which is this, you know huge sum of money. And it's like, I mean, I'm not an economist, but it's just so frustrating to see. <laughs> it just know? seems a little it's irresponsible. Like, yeah, you know, you know we we've known that you know our our markets, global markets, have been affected by COVID for three years. You know, it, it shouldn't come as a surprise that you know. You know, things aren't the best, you know, financially in the U.S. And I just wish there was a little more foresight going into these purchases. But there is, I mean, there is a refrain within the game industry that, like, video games have been great and only grew. You know, it was, like, one of the sort of industries yeah. that expanded over the course of the last couple of years, um, which was already huge as it was. So I, I don't want, I, I can't remember where I read this. Uh, so obviously don't quote me consider this speculation because I don't I don't have I don't have the source in front of me but I had read that um the ga- gaming had seen like a 3% increase year over year I believe um in terms of you know revenue so it's continuing to grow and 3% of billions is a lot of money oh yeah yeah you could buy yourself a Bethesda with a with something yeah like for that. real but uh, yeah, it's just really frustrating, and you kind of start to wonder. I mean, and, and on top of news today of folks uh, on the media side uh, that cover the games industry getting laid off, it's just really frustrating. Like you said, Kyle, like there's just so much money that is you know uh, flowing through like the <laughs> the industry, and it sucks that um, for some reason there are still. Even as these companies are hiring for other roles, there are layoffs. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a, it makes me wonder if it's just like, if it's purely just a matter of mismanagement or if it's just an unwillingness to invest in these, uh, you know, game studios and, and, you know, media outlets of like, you guys have the money. You just don't want to, you know, spend it on the thing that you just bought. And it's like, I don't know which answer is worse honestly why well, uh um, jeff grubb tweeted who was uh, you know affected by all these swirling layoffs because of his co-workers at giant bomb he just tweeted if you're trying to make sense of it all don't i promise there is no sense to any of this which is like the frustrating kind of nihilistic but accurate ultimate viewpoint of all this you know it's like yeah that's yeah kind- what they acquired three months ago is that right yeah yeah, like, yeah three like months barely yeah. three months ago yeah uh, yeah, that's I mean, that's how it feels, right? It's like, I'm not a businessman. I don't totally understand how to run a company and economics and all that stuff. Hey, but... I have a business major. Oh, and I'm saying it's dumb and doesn't make sense. Yeah, it just it just comes down to the basic like, if I bought this thing that I deem valuable and to so quickly turn around and go, eh, actually, because it's like it's not even enough time to, at least in my mind, give it a chance to become as successful as i guess you thought it would be or wanted it to be so to kind of like get cold feet that quickly and be like actually nah and i know i understand that things change in the you know in the world and and like you mentioned alex like the united states doing less than hot like economically right now and, and really since the pandemic started um i don't know it's just it's just like oh that's just doesn't seem like it's enough time like at least Here's here's my personal take on just like the state of commerce, and I'm, I'm I joked about having a major in business. I do have one, but I don't know anything about. Like he's, holding, that was, he's holding it up right that now. That was years ago. Yeah, yeah, I've got it behind me. Um, that was like ten plus years ago. Yeah. I by the way, I was a business major as well until my now wife 
at one point halfway through college was like, why are you a business major? And, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I didn't exactly. Have an that question, so I switched <laughs> over to something different. Same. Um, so obviously being cheeky about that, but you know, we have proof that inflation is happening, obviously, uh, right now, but all of these huge companies are recording and, and I encourage people to go and, you know, read, like find your, there's plenty of sources out there that, that, um, you can read about all of this from, uh, very notable sources, but like so many companies are recording like record profits, uh, in like the last year yet. They, they're also talking about like these, this recessions coming and all this. My take is that's just like an excuse so they can further squeeze the most out of their, their employees under this like recession that maybe will happen, maybe won't. Inflation's real, but that doesn't necessarily mean that a recession is real. But you've got these big, large companies who are like, you see Jeff Bezos like, hey, y'all, recession might be coming. Let's spend a little less. And it, and it just all, it's, it all just strikes me as rich people trying to get richer. Yeah, they should pay taxes. Yeah. Let's do definitely. that. Let's get that going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it's just really frustrating, man. Uh especially when like your friends and and you know people you have personal relationships with that are affected by this almost constantly in in the industry uh of video games. Yeah. 343. What a what a rough year they've had since uh Infinite's launch and you know some of that was self-inflicted and I think you the the person you cited that kind of threw blame at management or whoever on top um but yeah just after spending the last like pretty much all of 2022 trying to get that game up to snuff at least also my personal take halo infinite has great multiplayer and i thought i've constantly said for like the last eight months that i think like the reception or like this narrative that they have like fumbled the bag is like exaggerated i mean obviously it's not exaggerated but it almost feels like a problem of perception rather than reality. Like I play Halo Infinite and I'm like, this is great. Like it's got all the offerings I look for in a free multiplayer game, but then they haven't been able to shake this narrative uh, surrounding their product being, you know, subpar. It's, it's very strange. Like they're not really, I mean, it's, it it's maybe I'm just so used to like the, how jaded, fans can be of like once yeah. you get a stigma it's very hard to shake it off like you could do like, it's a right, free game y'all it's a free game that is great yeah well i mean technically not free oh no, it's yeah. free to play it's on game multiplayer multiplayer oh right right i forgot about that yeah yeah it's a free to play game oh is it oh, okay i guess maybe yeah. i forget because the I'm campaign so is game pass but yeah the multiplayer which is what everybody talks about is completely free to play and that doesn't mean it's not devoid of credit you can't criticize it but it just context right right like I, I, yeah, I think there's some validity to the complaints about like content and the sure. lack thereof, um, especially in those like first like six months or whatever. But uh, yeah, it's still it, it it sucks to spend all that time trying to get it to where fans are okay with it, and then your reward is hey, you don't work here anymore. And especially hearing that a lot of the or a good portion was the campaign teams. I think the personally, I think the campaign is really good in that game. At least I enjoyed it. I it was weird to see campaign teams. I I would just assume that once that was done, they would just work on other aspects of the game. You know, it's like or I, like DLC. I think they were kind of talking about this being like a platform yeah. 
to publish Halo stories through. Yeah, that's a I'm glad you brought that up because I forgot about that. Like, what does that mean now going forward of like their roadmap and stuff? Like, they haven't really spoken about like single player DLC and like a outside of the implication that it's coming because of how they presented this as like a 10 year platform. But, you know, does that get, I mean, it seems like that would almost have to be pushed back any announcement about that at this point right if they are hit as hard as it seems like they were so yeah i don't know just it's, it's just another sort of like snake bite for that game unfortunately there's also news that joe staten um staten is now going back to xbox publishing yeah he left on his own right he wasn't it sounded like he just resigned he's not like yeah by he just kind of like moved over to the xbox publishing side uh, I don't know if that's just weird timing or, or what, um, but he yeah, had who knows. he had rejoined uh, the Halo team in 2020. Like he pretty much helped finish it, right? Like yeah, kind of brought seemed to be to kind of the idea. Yeah, get it across mm-hmm. the finish line. But hey, you know, hopefully, like the silver lining, other studios. I mean, these people are super talented. Like three four three, those those the folks that are no joke. Like you know, scoop them up. Yeah, same with you know folks at the coalition it was a team i've been wondering what they've been up to yeah. for years now yeah give a like alex mentioned you know if you know if any opportunities whether it's on the dev side or media side uh hit those people up well uh let's get into uh the topic of the week which is a bit lighter the last of us hbo show uh has has been released to the public the first episode I'm kind of mad I, I wasn't one of the people that got the early screening because I watched the first episode and immediately wanted to watch the rest. But, uh, yeah, because there's only one out, right? They're just doing one a week, right? Yeah. <laughs> Which stinks. Cause I yeah. thought they released three at a time. Uh, so I finished the first episode ready to queue up the second. Yeah. It was like 2 a.m. And uh, I was sorely disappointed. So that means, uh, so I'm the only one that has not had a chance to watch it yet. You guys have. Does that mean, like, just right off the bat that this show is good? Yeah, this show's good. Yeah. I, I was even kind of, I it's it's still a little weird because it's almost sometimes like a one-to-one recreation. There's been some fun scenes going around on Twitter of people. I've seen some of those. Yeah. Like, the shot for shot, like, uh, I guess remakes I mean, to, or whatever. To the point where, like, honestly, like, my only complaint and the reason I, I watched the first two um, just to assist with like coverage, like I had a chance to interview Druckmann and Mason and like a roundtable ahead of the show. And like the only reason I, I don't really see myself personally continuing to watch it is because it is so close to the original. And I mean, I started replaying the remake. Uh, was that late last year, I guess? Yeah. And that was like my reaction was kind of similar. I was like, oh, this looks really good. Uh, I've played this already. Thank you. <laughs> you <know? laughs> uh, and so like that's sort of my reaction to the show is like, this is really good. This looks great. Good performances. Uh, I, I, I've played this already. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate <laughs> you know? the uh, the live action textures pack yeah, yeah. added to this game. But I mean, there there is all the new stuff, at least in the first two episodes, are, are just like added content. Like you get to see more of the characters. You get to see more Definitely. of Sarah. There's more context for what the disease is. And and like even in the second episode, there's they, they spend more time explaining things like the, the, the first episode opens with like a flashback to an interview from the 60s of like a scientist warning about this going 
to happen basically and everyone kind of waving him off and then the, the second episode does something similar where it's like we, we we go back in time again to see an early reaction to this stuff and then it gets back to the the main story did they uh redo the original like the prologue with the uh, joel's daughter and all that stuff a little oh, yeah. bit yeah i talked to uh, it was a round table, so like everyone only got to throw like a single question out, which is always a frustrating way to do these kind of interviews. Yeah. But one of the things uh, in that brief opportunity to talk with Neil Druckmann about it was I was like, uh, I played it on PS3. When it came to PS4, I played it again. I played through it again in the remake, and now in the show, I, again, I've witnessed Sarah die like four <laughs> times. And it's like, it's painful every time. Like it makes my chest tighten every time. It's not fun. <laughs> I should write a ranking of the best time. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> she's died with all the versions of it. Yeah, yeah. it would do great. Um, is it? Uh, I I really love Pedro Pascal, uh, and I I like Bella Ramsey from Game of Thrones. I think that's the only thing I can think of that she's done. It's the cool bear girl. I mean, she's great, uh, but yeah, I don't know if she's done a lot yet. Is how how are they as a uh, Joel and Ellie in this show? I really like them. I feel like both of them are really good picks. I was not necessarily skeptical about them as the actors, but it was nice to kind of see both of them. They definitely have like a really good chemistry, I think. I think Sarah and and Joel had a better chemistry, but I mean that's kind of the point there. Daughter and father. Like I thought I don't I'm not sure the actress's name who plays Sarah in the show, but her and Joel had a really good on camera chemistry as like this father, daughter relationship and obviously ellie is very i mean in the source material ellie is uh, very hostile in the beginning of her journey with joel so i'm sure that's missing on purpose um kind of be out of character i guess otherwise but i'm excited to see how their chemistry builds as the characters in the script uh get closer so alex you're you're all in right you're you're gonna watch the whole show you're excited yeah i think i am which is funny because i've continuing continuously said i thought it was kind of silly that this was being turned into a one-for-one remake of the games like i would have probably preferred and still prefer like a side story in that universe um or like a backstory like fleshing out the backstory of like side characters you know um i think that'd be cool but i mean well, that that that's still it in is there. A, it is a well produced show, regardless. Yeah, They're, they spend more time with side characters for for sure. Okay, um, but um, yeah, I, I yeah, I'm always so torn about it because it's like, well, okay, the adaptation. Do I I know the original source material? I love it. I think for like let's let's do something different. But then on the alternate idea of it, it's like, well, maybe you don't know the source material, so you might as well get the best version of it, which is like the Joel and Ellie story. Like that's the Last of Us. Like maybe maybe it shouldn't be anything else you know i don't know the answer to that you know it's funny i was i was wanting to replay the last of us part one because i never finished part two i started playing it you know it was the height of the pandemic Uh, i got through about 12 hours and was just like this is really dark i'm gonna go play more animal crossing it was a rough time for that game to come out (laughs) yeah yeah and so i never went back to it and i've been wanting to restart part two uh, which is daunting because that game is longer, a lot longer than the first game. Um, and I was like, well, maybe I should just play through the first one. And now that this show is coming out, I've decided, no, I'm just going to watch the show. It's the same story. And I'll probably save time by doing that than playing through the game. <laughs> I definitely want to check it out. 
I, I'm kind of uh, with Kyle where the fact that this is such a faithful remake, on one hand, that's like what a lot of video game fans like beg for, right? When they do an adaptation, it's like, why not just do the game? Like, I think that's cool for games that aren't as cinematic already. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, like The Last of Us, what, one of the things that made it cool was like, oh, this is like a prestige television show as a movie or as a video game. As a game, right? yeah. Um, so, you know, it's it's the same thing with the Ghost of Tsushima movie coming out of like, well, that game was based off old Japanese films, so now we're going to make a, <laughs> a movie. We're just going to make a new age Kurosawa film. Yeah, so like, I don't know if I need that, and I'm wondering if I need this because I, I respect that they – stuck to the uh, original game's template as well as they seem to have based on what I'm hearing. But as I'm getting older and there's more and more adaptations, I'm becoming less interested in that. And I would prefer more of like, I would actually, even if you stick with doing Joel and Ellie, I kind of would prefer that you remixed it up a bit, like add new characters or like new scenarios. Cause again, if I want that story, I'll just play the game, you know, in it's many iterations now. You know, like have them go to a new location they haven't been, and maybe they do. I, you know, yeah, I think it branches m- more as it moves along. But um, yeah, the, the first episode in particular is very like literally the same dialogue often uh, in many ends. Yeah, and it's like, do I need to hear that again? Outside of maybe some really pivotal lines, where like, okay, you shouldn't change this, but like other than that, just I, I'm just more willing to like hear the keys, drive wherever you want. Sure, yeah. I, I will say it is fun seeing a real camera's perspective shooting this stuff. Like, and the fact that, like, there are some wild scenes that happen in The Last of Us, the game. And it's cool to, I mean, obviously there's, like, special effects and all that. But it's really cool to kind of uh, see how they've, you know, you know, in a game you can make any structure or building or landscape you want, right? And in film you have to find that location, or build it or whatever. And it's really cool just to see the uh, on location shots that they've come up with to like match with the cuts in the game. And that's more of just like a production, an enjoyment of like the production of it, not necessarily like the thing itself. But yeah, I'm, I'm want to check it out. I, I don't know yet if I'll stick with it because of how it's just the thing. You should, that wa- I like. you should watch the first episode. Like, yeah, you know I, yeah. I mean, like, I will. If nothing else. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely will. Like I said, I love Pedro Pascal. He, I'm down for pretty much anything with him at this point. Uh, and yeah, I want to see how the... Um, I definitely want to see how the, the creatures look. Like, I've only seen the glimpses of, like, clickers and the trailers, but I kind of want to see, like, a full scene. They look pretty good from what I've seen, so... I think... I heard that they did get the motion capture folks who worked, who did it for the game uh, are also doing it for the show, which is pretty cool. That's um, a good call. Yeah. Yeah. Just higher level... Uh, models do we know if this first season is the entirety of the first game or is it like i know it's just set within the i don't know if they've said ahead of time like like will this end with the ending of the first game or is there gonna be i think i think they have said that that's the case yeah i'm i'm, I'm not 100 percent, but i'm pretty sure yeah okay i'm just wondering how long it takes if this show blows up in like a big way like when do we hit last of us part two territory yeah <laughs> you know like, and what do they do after that do they just end it they I feel like hbo is gonna be knocking on the door for it's for like more. game of thrones you know hbo is not afraid to continue making an adaptation without any more material from the the source so they're like i don't know 
Neil Druckmann said he had a rough idea of what part three might look like, and we'll just make a whole season based on that. <laughs> yeah. Kind of funny. But uh, yeah, let's get into the playlist. This is the part of the show where we talk about the games that we've been playing in the past week. Kyle, we're going to go over to you because you've been playing the most recent release. It's not even out yet. Uh, you you have previewed Chia, which is the game that we did a really cool feature on in the magazine two issues ago, I believe, where Matt went uh, to New Caledonia um, with the team behind Chia. And um, yeah, I, I really recommend everybody to go read it. I think it was 12 pages of his trip to this remote island uh, to learn about the the culture and people that Chia is based on. Uh, Worth it was pointing really out, cool. it's spelled with a T. Yes, silent T. T-C-H-I-A. Uh, I played a demo of it. I, I'm, I don't know, like, uh, I think I basically started from the beginning. I think maybe it, like, bypassed some of the, like, opening cutscenes and stuff like that. But I think basically, like, I think the first time you have the, the ability to sort of go off uh, wherever you want is, is where I started. And, like, I, I, I was very impressed. I actually kind of went in... I'm trying to think of how to phrase it because, like, I'm I'm optimistic about that game, but I'm also like being a realist. Of it's like it's a small team; they're trying to emulate some Breath of the Wild ideas, which is really ambitious. And so, like, I want it to be really good. I'm hopeful for it to be good, but I kind of went in like ready to throw some asterisks at it and be like, "Eh, this doesn't work very well. This doesn't feel great." But I, I was I was very pleased with the game. I thought it felt really good. I, I really like the way it looked. The animation is really good. The one of the things you can do is like climb basically any tree and kind of a rocket back and forth to slingshot yourself into the distance and then like throw up a paraglider to like uh, float to the ground. And that simple action just like feels really good. And the environment is varied and different. Uh, you can turn into any animal. And they all do like weird stuff and they play differently. Like uh, I turned into like this warthog that I just saw running around and like I could dig in the ground. Uh, I jumped into the soul, I guess you could say, of a bird and like flew over the mountains and was like that's cool. pooping while I was flying around. You know, that's just oh. that's just good, pleasant, fun gaming. You know, is there a poop button? There's a poop button. Yeah, that's what I'm what? saying. You, I had to poop on purpose by pressing a button. Oh, my. But it just like I like so I kind of went in uh, on you know it's like we'll we'll see how this goes and walked out being like I I want to play more of this 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 is this is really cool I'm I'm eager to play more and um I was just I was just impressed like I I like I like what I played it really feels like you're playing through the imagination of this girl who just like lives on this cool lush island like you know it it's uh I was. I, I like it and I'm eager to play more. They, they don't have a release date. They All they're saying now is early 2023, but they don't have a specific date yet. And we're we're in early 2023, so <laughs> I don't know. I don't know when we're going to actually get to play the thing. How many different animals were there that you could kind of turn into? I mean, I just saw... I saw three, but, like, you can also turn into inanimate objects, too. Like, I, there was, like, a rock that I, I inhabited and I was like rolling around the island as a rock. I found these like lamps that I could turn into and then I could like eject myself from it and fling the lamp to like create an explosion. I swam around a little bit, but I didn't encounter any animals, but you can turn into turtles and dolphins. Like there's a ton of stuff that you can turn into. I really scratched the surface. Okay, that's cool. I really want to try that game out for myself. It's very pleasant. You know, it's not, yeah. it's not dangerous really. It's just, it's just nice. Yeah. It, 
it looks like it's a game I've been following since they announced it like a god a year or two ago now and I'm happy to hear that it's uh as fun as it's always looked in every trailer that they've shown like I like the fact that it's got some like Wind Waker and Breath of the Wild DNA in there Mm -hmm. yeah definitely that definitely speaks to me I think it looks really nice and yeah, I I want to get in there and just like turn into everything. Basically, <laughs> I want to see how far they they push that mechanic and and how they apply it to puzzle solving. But even just the more pleasant stuff like the uh, like playing the ukulele, I saw on like a trailer. Oh yeah, that's like super detailed. Like you can play any note. You can play chords and single strings. And that's, stuff. Cool. that's cool. Yeah, yeah, I love gonna, that. It's gonna be like the Last of Us Part Two, where people are gonna have videos of them playing just covers yeah, yeah <laughs> like honestly yeah it is that it is that detailed um but yeah hopefully i mean very good first impression hopefully it sustains you know for the for the full yeah. game when it comes out yeah awesome uh i've been playing a game that apparently came out um actually not apparently i knew it came out earlier this year but it came out august 2022 uh, it's called plate up apparently it's one of like the yogs cast games which are I believe they typically focus on games that are more like YouTuber friendly. I mean, the Yogs cast, I think, started as like, uh, it's like from a, a YouTube channel, a European YouTube channel, I think. I was going to ask, what does that mean exactly, YouTuber friendly? Like, it won't get demonetized if you put it up? Or... <laughs> no, it, may, it's it means designed... random stuff happens so that a YouTuber can go, whoa! <laughs> <laughs> I think they're typically more like multiplayer focused. Um, is it wacky? It sounds like it yeah, wacky. it's wacky. Yeah, I mean, it looks like what was the game you compared it to, Alex? I can't. Uh, uh, Overcooked. Overcooked. Right. Like, yeah. what makes it uh, different and than Overcooked? Yeah. So, plate up. Um, you are cooking and serving dishes, um, much like you do in Overcooked, um, but instead of just dealing with the kitchen, um, this is a you're managing the front of house. You're man- managing like administrative things like you can, you know, place some calls to get new to get like people that want to come eat at your restaurant. Uh, you're kind of like also building out your restaurant as you progress through each level um, because this is a roguelite. So imagine overcooked, but it's a four it's four players uh, and it's a roguelite. So as you are going and making progress and it's it's a hard game, you are. Uh, and expanding your restaurant and its offerings. Um, you're uh, adding new decorations. You're deciding if you want your restaurant to appeal to like really fancy people or, you know, if you want it to be like more of a fast casual restaurant. Uh, and all the while you are, you know, cooking up stuff. You are managing uh, how many tables that you want to put into your uh, restaurant's dining room based on the estimated group sizes that are coming into the restaurant um, because if people are waiting outside for too long uh, because there aren't any, you know, tables available, then, you know, they are going to leave. And if you, if you miss one dish or if somebody from the outdoor line leaves, you lose and you have to start over. That's not how restaurants work. I know, but so that's kind of where the roguelite elements comes into play. And so essentially oh, Marcus, just to be clear, you also round, can't climb a tree and slingshot yourself into the distance. And like, the, like <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you could, I just can't guarantee that you will have a job after you do it or a life. <laughs> <laughs> and so as you are completing these rounds, 
things are obviously getting harder. But in between rounds, based on your previous rounds performance, you get uh, money to spend on the restaurant. And so let's say, um, you know, uh, you are make, you're doing a pizza joint, right? And this is a problem that myself and my friends ran into where we had progressed our restaurant far enough that our, our customer base was expanding. And so we needed to learn to make a mushroom pizza to appeal to more taste palettes. And so that required more space, uh, more counter space because we didn't have enough. And so in between rounds, instead of focusing on uh, upgrading uh, the oven so that it was you know more efficient or upgrading the decoration to um, expand our customer's patience meter, we instead chose to invest in more counter space. Um, and there's like upgrade mechanics where like you can in between rounds, you can sort of like sacrifice one of your objects by putting it into this research station. And if you, you know, make it through that round, let's say like you, you want to upgrade your oven, uh, you can turn it into a microwave, uh, so that it's even faster. And so it's this really fun multiplayer cooking management game. It's, I really highly recommend it. I actually heard about it on the fire escape cast uh, from Mary Kish was talking about it during their end of year talks. And I'd never heard of this game and I sent it to my friend group and we all started playing it. Um, we've put, probably played three hours so far uh, or across a couple of nights and it's really fun. I really like it a lot. Is it uh, just cause you compared it to overcook? Is it like, are you actively controlling the, 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 the like servers or like the employees and running around doing stuff? Because everything you're sounding, it sounds almost more semi just because of all Not the at all. things you have uh, to manage. There are only four employees. You are the four employees of your restaurant. So oh, okay. y- you can decide, okay, uh, so I'm playing it with Jesse uh, Vitelli, Ken Shepard, and Eric Van Allen. And so, for instance, when we play, Ken is usually in charge of running dishes back and forth from the front of house to the back of house and cleaning them. Jesse is typically uh, cooking food and preparing dishes. Eric has been more of a front of house guy, making sure like as people eat, they make messes. So like he's in charge of like cleaning up the messes um, because that is like a detriment to like your restaurant success as well as uh, he like takes people's orders and sends it, sends it back to the kitchen and uh, is in charge of delivering food. Once we, uh, prepare the dishes, which is what I've been doing. I've been like the guy who is taking the cooked food and putting it on plates so that Eric can go and deliver the food to the guests because okay, everything's on a timer, right? So right. once you take a guest order, there is only a limited amount of time you have to fulfill their order. And before another guest can come and sit inside, you have to make sure that that table is cleared off. Um, and so it's just like really fun back and forth. It's very hectic. But it's 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 a lot of fun. I highly recommend it if you're looking for. I I don't know how it plays with less than four people. You can play one through four people. I don't. I I'll have to look in to see if there's like an AI component or if the get difficulty adjusts. You know. Yeah, I would hope so. Yeah. I've worked. I used to be a server for four years, and I've actually worked with that amount of people for a whole restaurant of <laughs> like one person in the back. Maybe two <laughs> people in the front and then one yeah. person that's host. So losing, I can attest from personal experience that having less than that is a is a problem. <laughs> yeah, because usually that's like the bare minimum. That's basically a day shift. At <laughs> sure, most yeah. Restaurants, honestly, is that many people? 
But like when you're preparing the food, think of the mechanics. Very, they're very similar to Overcooked. We're like, okay, I need to make a tomato sauce. So I'm going, or I need to make a pizza, for instance. I'll take the tomato. I'll I'll chop it twice to turn it into a sauce and not sliced tomatoes. Um, and then I will take my my flour. I will combine it with oil to make a crust. Uh, I'll add the pizza sauce. I'll add the the tomato sauce that I made on top of that. Then I'll get a slice of cheese. And I will process that into um, shredded cheese and then put that on the the dish. And then I'll put that in the oven. And then I've got to let that cook and then take it out. Then I've got to slice it up. Then I've got to add it to the plates. So it's all of those steps that you might be familiar with from like games like Overcooked. But the cool, tw- you know, the, the added benefit of like investing in your business is you can start to automate things to make things easier. So like uh, we got like an automatic pizza slicer we spent our money on in between rounds. And so instead of me having to sit there and cut up each individual slice of pizza, we would just set the piece of pizza on the counter next to the, uh, I think they called it like the portioner and the portioner would slice it up every time I needed a new slice. And all I had to do was put it on the plate. And so that kind of uh, idea is applied to all aspects of the kitchen in front of house. Like you can get an upgrade that lets you take orders manu- or orders remotely from the back of house. Um, because like, you know, there will be like tablets on the table or whatever that people can place their order. But the, the, you know, downside to that is now people have less patience. So you have to get orders out quicker. It's, 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 it's a lot of fun. Uh, it's again, it's called plate up and highly recommend it. Nice. Thank you for making me hungry for pizza now. By the way. <laughs> oh yeah. I was playing it last night. It was, it was a problem. I was like, okay, I just need to go to bed. Don't order any food, Alex. Don't make a mushroom pizza. <laughs> Don't do it. But yeah, I uh, I recommend it. It's a lot of fun, and I'm really eager to keep playing more. Uh, with that being said, uh, let's go over to Marcus, who's been playing a couple games himself. Yeah, uh, real quick, I finally wrapped up Pentiment recently, which I had started playing uh, not too long before the Christmas break. And I like that game a lot. Uh, I think it's super cool. I'm a history nerd I, i've always loved history and that game you know i i can attest to its historical accuracy because like 16th century bavaria is a bit of a blind spot oh, for okay. me but yeah you know but um <laughs> i have enjoyed <laughs> i have enjoyed listening to uh legit historians talk about the game and as far as i've heard from them it's uh like incredibly accurate in a way that's pretty remarkable but it's been it's been a learning process playing it because of that just the i think that game has a really nice sense of place you know with it taking place in one town throughout the entire thing and just the uh the characterization of everyone how like how i realized how attached i was to all the residents of that town to where it was always exciting and sometimes heartbreaking to see how they progressed in their lives because it takes place over like many years uh so you know you're like oh i meet this person you're like oh i like this guy then years later you're like oh he's dead like he passed away or like even kids too because of the like it's a great it's an accurate depiction of like the mortality rate of the time of like oh that cool kid i liked has passed away like oh god okay and then just the murdery mystery stuff is i i really enjoyed solving that i think that the ending of the game without getting specific kind of turns all that in its head in a way that was a relief <laughs> in some respects of um 
kind of realizing that not a, there's no black and white answer to what you choose in that game necessarily um and and that the game is is a little bit more about how stories are passed down over time and how they change based on how people repeat and interpret them as you go <laughs> i i think the like the overall sort of poignant message at the end of the game i was it, it was effective you know um you know it, it, it there are some things i was less cool about i think the running around kind of warned me after a while especially towards the end and you know you don't move the fastest <laughs> in that game is there is there a hidden run button that i knows about? if if there is they hit it very well maybe too well because i was hitting many buttons like is there like a little like Maybe like a jog I could do here. <laughs> like, I just remember you know, when um, everybody's everybody goes to the rapture, or everybody's gone to the rapture. That being like people like reviewed it, and then on the other end we're like, oh my god, there's a run button. But it's, uh, I found that, and that it's, it's calling it a run button is <laughs> deceitful <laughs> because it was like a it was a less slow button, really less slow. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I think that game's super rad. I think if you have obviously a vested interest in this period of time i think it's worth checking out just for the uh the way to incorporate the uh historical elements into the like main narrative and and give you a really good sense of what it was like to live <laughs> in that time um but also just presentationally like the art the way they use the art for like the text uh kind of as like another almost like personality trait using it to showcase everyone's sort of standing their social standing or their profession, I think is a really cool idea. And yeah, I had a great time with it. I'm glad I finished it. That's awesome. And the other thing I just started playing finally, uh, was, uh, the case of the golden Isle. I literally started playing it last night, you know, hearing, uh, former editor, Joe Grode, as well as others sing its praises. I was like, Oh, I got like a gap right now. I can start this up finally. And, you know, I don't know if we've talked about the game before previously on the GI show, but the uh, the idea is that it's like uh, like point and click adventure style where you're trying to solve uh, mysteries, like usually like murders or, or like just weird deaths by like you look at these static scenes and you're kind of clicking around and building a database of like keywords, whether it's like inspecting a journal and like, okay, here's a guy's name. I'm going to click his name. And you literally get the first and last name in your like inventory pool. And you're just collecting basically words. And it's, it's kind of like Mad Lib style where you're trying to figure out what happened by taking the words that you found by poking around. And then you see sort of the solution with like blanks. So it'll say like blank died by doing blank to blank so that he could get blank. And you're just trying to fill those in by using all of the environmental cues. It's like, okay, I think I know who this person is based because I saw a letter with their name and it hinted at a thing he's wearing. So I think he's this guy. So I'm going to put his name here. And then it confirms like, okay, this is that guy. That's a good step. Now I need to figure out, you know, what happened. And it's really fun <laughs> so far. It's like, it's chill because it's it, it it's a nice game to sort of like curl up to and have like a nice cup of coffee. And be like, I'm just going to solve this cool mystery. But um, it's, it's 
like engaging enough where I don't want to cheese it. Because it seems like when you get to a certain point, you could probably brute force your way through it. But like, I'm just going to put every word in a slot until it says it's right. Um, but it's also like they make it hard enough to do that because there's certain like combinations that would just take a long time to figure out how you got them in the right sequence, especially when it comes to like first and last names, you know, if you're not really looking. Uh, but it's a game that makes it pretty clear that like everything you need to solve it is like right in front of you. So like it encourages you to keep like just really keep poking around. I haven't used the, there's a hint system that I haven't used yet, but I've heard the hint system has like multiple layers where they literally are telling you like, hey, maybe keep looking. You don't you don't really want to know <laughs> like you're you, you got this. You're almost there. It's like an encouragement uh, system as opposed to a hint system. It's like we could tell you, but are you sure you don't want to give it a look, another look, you know? Um, are you what are you are you playing on PC? Are you typing in words or are you, do you use a controller or no? You're just using I don't I'm playing on point Steam. and click, right? Yeah, it's point and click. So you're just like when I say you get the words, like you just when you select a word and you'll know what you can select, it'll mm. highlight it. Um, but like say I'm look, reading someone's journal and their name's like John Smith, if you literally click John Smith, it adds their that name to your word pool. Oh, okay. So you're like not typing separately. out John Smith. Okay, got it. No, you're just dragging them into like an empty slot to be like, okay, here's a blank spot for a name. I think it's Jane Smith. I'm gonna drag that here and see if it's right. Right, got you it. You know, and then it'll tell you how close you are. Like there's almost like a a like warm hot system. Like it'll tell you like, oh, two or less of these words are wrong. Okay. So then you, you're like, okay, so I'm close. I need to change like maybe one thing around here. Um, but it's got this very uh, bizarre art direction too. Like I don't, it's not a good looking game, <laughs> but it's kind of by design. It's just very uh, unsettling. Maybe it's the word I'm looking for. All right, I look creepy. Sc- screenshots. Yeah. It's got like an old school, like, 90s pc game look but like mixed with like old mtv animations like it looks like oh this is okay it's like i've seen screenshot of screenshots of it but you're saying like old mtv animation it's i haven't heard that 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 makes (laughs) it reminds me of like old mike judge like maybe beavis and butthead era mike judge but like maybe slightly weirder and more digitized (laughs) um so it's it's in a weird way it kind of like keeps my attention because you look at characters and you're like this person just looks hideous or kind of scary (laughs) Uh, i need to check this out yeah but i'm i'm enjoying it so far like i'm definitely gonna finish it i'm actually really excited to get back to it tonight and because it's just a fun sort of like series of puzzles to unravel Mm -hmm. you know uh and i'm it's already gotten like more complex even up to like the third like the third mystery was the first time i really had to stare at things and really consider like okay am i reading this right or is there's like a little what i thought was a minor detail is actually the key to solving who this person is or what their profession is or whatever and i think so far the way they kind of like connect breadcrumbs or or try to get you to connect breadcrumbs is really neat and everything makes sense uh so yeah i i'm excited to see just like where it gets to at the end and there also seems to be an overarching mystery or story that i'm gradually starting to piece together as it goes so cool yeah it's 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 neat it's really neat that's awesome i uh i watched uh some friends play through this and i'm excited to see having seen like the end of that game without playing it for myself i'm excited to hear your thoughts uh, oh on it once you have uh 
concluded the story. Apparently, it goes places. So yeah. it's weird, man. It's, it's yeah, I know. It's a, it's a weird game. <laughs> awesome. Well, we are about at the hour mark. Do you guys want to get into some listener emails? Is that cool? Yeah. Oh. All right. Uh, well, b- before we do that, we're going to do a little housekeeping. Uh, we always start housekeeping off with our new podcast review. This week's podcast review was written by Cheesy Chungus 04. Uh, it's a five star review over on Apple Podcasts that says GameStop publishes Game Informer every month for $19.99 a year. It's $14.99 if you want digital, just FYI. If you're poor like me, this is a great show to listen to. On top of that, they cover a lot of great topics every single week. I love it. Keep it up, guys. Uh, Well, thank you, Cheesy Chungus, for uh, listening to the show. We do try to bring the best of the magazine uh, to online, and that includes our podcast. So uh, thanks for listening, and uh, thanks for being kind enough to go and leave us a podcast review. It really does help us out. I could go for a cheesy chungus right now. <laughs> yeah. Cheesy. Um, is that like a burrito? What do you think that is? It sounds like. Is it a yeah. sexual innuendo like Flat Stanley? <laughs> no. Oh, God. <laughs> I was going to say like a churro. Oh, yeah. A cheesy churro? Not, I no. I don't want to eat that. Uh, that sounds bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like burrito better. Um, thank you, Cheesy Chungus, for sending that in. Of course, go and follow these two lovely gentlemen. On social media. Are you two both on Twitter still? Yeah. Going down with the shit, baby. All right. Uh, well, you can follow Kyle at Kyle M. Hilliard. That's with two L's. Uh, you can follow Marcus at Marcus Stewart 7. Uh, Marcus, we got to talk about your profile picture on Twitter. What, what's what's the deal? <laughs> I'm glad you brought this up. I've been curious about this, too. Oh. <laughs> so that is from uh, when Blake and I went to Japan back in September. We... Um, we visited RGG Studio, the the team that makes the Yakuza games, for a big feature that Blake did on them. Um, and at one point during our, our studio tour, they took us into the uh, the digital scanning studio. Where oh they, my they, god! They scan all their actors into the game. So like, whenever they have like a famous person in the Yakuza, that's where they do it. Kenny Omega was there recently. <laughs> oh wow! Uh, and they're like, "Yeah, sit down in the chair. We're gonna." do it to you guys and so they did we're not going to be in in the games as far as we know maybe i i hope they change their mind and i'm just like some dumb npc that stands there and goes oh when i see like kiryu or ichiban hit someone over the head with a bicycle (laughs) but yeah that is the the finished product it was uh very cool and kind of weird to see myself as like wow that's just that's just me, and it looks a lot like me. <laughs> just okay. With a they bunch of well, I was, they that would explain the, the hair, hair situation. The yeah. Well, you know, technology, video game hair, as we all know, has famously been mostly bad. You've got some <laughs> little devil horns going on. It kind of looks like they yeah. that that's got to take a whole other team to model it by hand. And they're not going <laughs> to do that for me. <laughs> so okay. Well, we solved the mystery. Uh, of course, you can go and see the photo for yourself. By following Marcus at Marcus Stewart seven, uh, and you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram. I I use Twitter a lot more, but I do post photos from uh, our work trips on my Instagram once I'm able. Uh, you can follow me on both of those places at It's Van Aiken, and yeah, of course, shout out to our podcast editor Matt Storm uh, slash DJ Stormageddon. They they edit this show every week for us and uh, make it sound great. 
if you want to go and support them, go and listen to their podcasts, uh, Fun and Games and Reignite Podcast, the latter of which is a Bioware-focused podcast. So that's all the uh, the housekeeping for today. Did you uh, plug Kyle and I's uh, Super Replay? That is no. ongoing. We're, we're playing Silent Hill, baby. You are playing Silent Hill, uh, and people can go to youtube.com slash shows which is our second channel where we upload our live stream archives. Uh, so if you're wanting to catch up on that uh, replay episode, those replay episodes and go and watch live on Fridays, uh, go to youtube.com slash game informer shows and then watch the thing live at twitch.tv slash game informer. Yeah. Hang out with us. We're getting near the end, you know? Yeah. A bad end. It yeah. sounds like. <laughs> Last week, uh, we got in a boss fight where the strategy was to wait for the character to run out of bullets <laughs> and then pour liquid that we arbitrarily found in a hospital earlier on them. So it's going strong oh, over there. What a, yeah. What a moment. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> thank, Iconic. Thank God for chat because there's no world where we Top 10 boss that's fights. That's what we're supposed to do. um well uh let's get into listener emails if you want to be involved you can email us podcast at gameinformer.com you can ask a question in the discord which you get access to by subscribing to us on twitch or from the overblood facebook group we've got some uh questions here uh, from ian bauer jordan bays uh r philip and aaron uh, cutton we're going to be answering their burning questions so We'll get to Ian Bauer's question from the Overblood Facebook group. And Ian asks, is VR gaming going to end up in the same place as 3D gaming? By that, I mean, is it going to be a weird little niche area that is slowly forgotten about in the next couple of years? I mean, so 3D, our... what's the, yeah, I guess I want to get the 3D gaming. Do they mean like uh, like with 3D glasses? Yeah, remember the last big push when Sony, like in the early like 2010s, was really like they had the 3D TVs and okay, s- yeah, you could play Shadow of the Colossus in 3D. I think. Yep. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Killzone, like, uh, Crisis Two, which is weird because those games are already 3D. Yeah. Stereoscopic 3D. Yeah. 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 They had the this like that dedicated line of TVs, but that I think I need to check this, but I could have sworn someone told me that they still manufactured them in like some parts of the world you could could still buy one i don't think you can in the states but um i had one and i remember i i the most i got out of it was inviting people over to look at crisis 2 with glasses on but when it actually came time to sit down and like play a game like on my own time i was like well i'm not gonna put on these glasses i don't want to do that (laughs) Was the side of it on the side of the TV? Did it just have a giant dial that you could uh, <laughs> use to no, change no. the intensity of the 3D? They so they probably should have done that. Yeah, I was gonna say that I think VR has more staying power because it's already lasted like at least twice as long as the 3D. I mean, we've been talking about VR and its current iteration for going on nine years, right? Something like that. I was in college uh, for like a graduating party. And one of my classmates did his like final demo in Oculus, and that was like 2013. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say I was freshly married when I was listening to like Jeff Kanata talk about Oculus on DLC and like Weekend Confirmed, and that was the year I got married. So 
Yeah, well, like it's a long time ago. Yeah. It's already had may, way more mainstream penetration. It's had way more support. I mean, we're about to get a new PlayStation headset next month. You know, there the Quest 2 wasn't that long ago. I think like, it's already infinitely more successful and I think that like it's not it's already proven it, it's not going to fizzle out in like a couple of years. Like I think it'll still be a thing in a couple of years from now. I I don't know if it'll ever hit like I don't know if it'll ever hit like super duper mainstream like it's as big as like a traditional console or PC but I mean for where it's at now where like you know like the Oculus being pretty popular and also like it helps that you can buy those without the cord now and just you know use them but yeah I'd still say that VR as a whole has done a lot better than I kind of thought it did maybe like five six seven years ago. Yeah, the conversation for the last 10 years has been, when is this VR trend going to end? And it's been almost 10 years. It's not really a trend. I mean, it is still a trend, but it's like, it's not a fad, right? Like, yeah, it's, I don't think you can be a 10-year fad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, they're, they're, they're two different things. Like, I don't know if the comparison really lines up either because VR is a, is a platform for unique yeah. games where the 3D stuff was like, they were trying to augment current games you know it's just like an extra feature yeah. you could add to a current game and which is kind of like, like when you could the whole smartphone companion uh yeah smart glass stuff. yeah where yeah. yeah i mean there's our experiences in vr there's plenty of experiences in vr i can only have in vr exclusively in vr you know yeah I, it's it, the thing that i've seen from vr which is surprising to me is like it's this weird place between like hardcore gaming and not being a gamer at all like I know like a couple of like you know parent friends who don't play video games really but they bought a quest because it just seems mm-hmm. like this kind of cool new technology and they might play it like once a week or something it's almost filling the spot like the Wii did at one point yeah except I guess the only difference is is like I think there's the Wii was still appealing to the hardcore people where I think a lot yeah. of hardcore people are like I'm good on VR I'll just stick with my PlayStation 5 and my PC or whatever yeah but yeah it's 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 gonna be niche i don't think it's ever like you guys said i agree with you i don't think it's ever gonna be like you're gonna you got your playstation 5 and your oculus whatever like i i think it's always gonna be this like separate thing that's doing different interesting experiments over on the side and beat saber dlc they'll just always release beat saber DLC. <laughs> yeah it kind of reminds me a little bit of like the steam deck like i think the steam deck is i mean i think the steam deck in the long run will likely surpass vr in terms of its like widespread appeal but right now it maybe i don't know maybe that's i think so i mean i think there's people who like video games like like the hardcore people want steam decks the hardcore people don't really want vr i was thinking more like the casual audience like i don't know if it'll penetrate that i don't know because of the barrier entry price yeah but right now they're both kind of like these specialty items that are more so secondary to a lot of you know like what Kyle say a lot of core gamers uh habitual playing um it's like this cool okay I have some extra money let me check out this new piece of tech that is like delivering games to me in a different avenue than what I'm used to I I think VR has hit the point finally where it has enough mainstream recognition especially from like TikTok and YouTube videos of people yeah. doing dumb stuff in VR that I've seen people that have no idea that don't know anything about video games don't follow video games but they can they can see an oculus and they know like oh that's vr like i know what that yeah. is. yeah half my tiktok videos are just like 
videos of like children screaming at other kids <laughs> in VR or like uh, one of my favorites recently has been the guy who plays Among Us VR and just chases little kids around and like makes them <laughs> scream and then like turns on them and gets them kicked from uh, the spaceship. It's really funny. Well, cool. Let's move on to the next question. This one is from Jordan Bays who asks two questions. Do you have any super replays you really want to do in the future? Have you considered Signalis at all? It would be a fantastic fit. And then their second question is, favorite cookie that isn't chocolate chip? Okay. Super replays that we'd want to do in the future. Gosh, I don't have any off the top of my head. Marcus and I have one that I think we're going to do next that's a, that I think we'll, we can tease as another like PlayStation 1 game. I think that's as far as we'll go because we haven't committed. We haven't fully committed to what we want to do next. Uh, but man, I don't know. Um, I don't know, Marcus. Do you have anything you're just dying to super replay? I don't know. Uh, there's some. I don't know if I, I got. I feel like I know this answer, but now that I'm being put on the spot, like all of my answers are flying out of my head right now. I know, like Kyle mentioned, we have a few in mind. I think we did decide on one, Kyle, without saying it. But I'm pretty sure we we <laughs> haven't. We okay. We came to the let's say decision of what it's gonna be. It's another PlayStation One horror game, and, and just it keeping up an, with replay tradition, you know. Yes, it is. Um, there's, I mean, I would like to do Metal Gear Solid. I would love to go back and do some like 16-bit stuff. Like, like I always thought Chrono Trigger would be a cool one to do if we could ever like do an RPG that maybe wasn't a bajillion hours long. And I think Chrono Trigger is one of the more reasonable. I think it's like twenty length or ones. Something. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I was like, yeah, that could be a, a cool one to do. Um, I would love to do. I would love to eventually go back to doing bad stuff. Um, <laughs> you know, especially if you're playing it, Kyle, because, and I say <laughs> that because you're not me. Um, but I mean, yeah. I'll play something bad, uh, like even stuff that maybe was replayed in the past that wasn't super replayed, like a, I don't know, like a Countdown Vampires or or, or even Resident Evil Survivor, you know, if we want to. Keep oh, that'd be interesting. Survival oh. or Train, if we can. Okay. You know, it would be a matter of like, since we don't have a studio, it's a little trickier of like getting access to the games and then figuring out if we have a platform that can stream them easier. Yeah. You know, then, yeah. So that's like really the only big hurdle. You know, like, as, you know, there's stuff on. Um, I've been meaning to uh, run through like Game Pass because I know they got a lot of older stuff on there to see like, oh, you know, I can just download this and play it now through like backwards compatibility or whatever. Um, well, I also, yeah. I went, I bought one of the PlayStation classics that has like, did. yeah, like the console that has like a bunch of games on it. Um, and then I also, I told you, Marcus, I went and bought, I, I, I had the PlayStation three hooked up cause we're playing silent Hill on it. And I went to the store and I bought a bunch of PlayStation one games purely just to make sure I have them before they disappear. Like all both the Mega Man Legends games, which have already been uh, super replayed, but then also like the Tron Bond game, the original Armored Core. I just like bought pretty much everything I was even like marginally interested in that was on the PlayStation store. Just even just to have it on a hard drive in the future, you know? Yeah, like I have a, a bunch of those on my PS3 hard drive. I got like Tomba and stuff and right yeah you know, tomba I, 2 that was i got tomba 2 and i didn't, didn't have tomba 1 for whatever reason but i've got an SNES classic laying around here somewhere and you know the i mean the switch virtual console alone is you know there's a lot of stuff on there that we could if we want to go the 16 bit oh yeah, yeah. bit route there, there's plenty of stuff there we could tap into so yeah i guess that's the answer is that the sky is 
I mean, maybe the sky's not the limit, but it's it's close. Like it's like the stratosphere. Yeah, I just it's like it as nuts. an excuse to finally play those games I've been putting off my whole life, like the original Same. Silent Hill. <laughs> like you know, I loved it for like beating. You know, I had to beat Dark Souls finally. I'd never beaten it, but because of like Dan Tack pushing me to do the play the remake, I finally finished that game. Hold on, Daniel. Whatever. Daniel Tack pushing someone else to play a from software game just like can you believe it i can't believe he would do such a thing again me me hot wings doing that too which was fun so yeah that's i guess that's a long answer to that question but all right basically have faith kyle and i have a bunch of ideas (laughs) and they're all they're all good as for the cookie what do you say like the best cookie that's not chocolate chip snickerdoodle oh i was that popped in my head actually snickerdoodle i think is severely underrated it's if you can get a good snickerdoodle, and my grandma like, makes them fresh. Oh, that sounds good. They're so oh. easy to make too, but a lot of people think that it's just a sugar cookie with cinnamon and sugar, and it's not. The cream of tartar makes a huge difference. That is mm-hmm. pretty much the primary difference <laughs> between okay. the two, and you can taste the difference. But yeah, I'd say a snickerdoodle and like does an Oreo count? Are we going by like brands? Yeah, I think so because like an Oreo is probably the the real answer here. Like, who doesn't like a good Oreo? I mean, it maybe it's offensive, and I'm sorry, but I'll go to uh, bat for an oatmeal raisin. I like a good oatmeal. Oh, I love oatmeal raisin. Okay, I'm glad oatmeal I'm not raisins alone. Here. in my top three. Yeah, in my oh, top you guys, three. You guys are old people. <laughs> nah, I can't. I can't stand raisins. That's that's my hang up there. Well, I don't like raisins outside of oatmeal raisin cookies. Really, I just like the oatmeal cookie part. You know what's even better is chocolate chip oatmeal cookies. Those actually, yes, those those yeah, are those better. Are right but like i don't know there's this uh, uh oatmeal raisin just has this reputation of like everyone's like get that out of my face i'm like no you guys are wrong it's good oh my god i had an oatmeal cookie uh ice cream scoop when i was in los angeles last time oh my god it was like, incredible was it like a ice cream sandwich with oatmeal cookies no it was like ground up oh uh, oatmeal cookies in the ice cream with raisins Actually, it was it was raisinless. So that's, I'm gonna say fine. I'm gonna yeah I'm gonna say oatmeal cookies are one of my favorites. Oatmeal raisin, I'll accept it. Not so much. Yeah, yeah, I like a good oatmeal cookie. Sans raisins, like the oats, the cinnamon, all that stuff. That's totally fine. I'm glad we came to this consensus. Yeah, we found our compromise. <laughs> <laughs> Two questions left. Uh, R. Philip from the Overblood Facebook group asks, my question for the show is what is everybody's current gamer score? Maybe there's a fun little competition Ooh. in there. Okay, hold Let me on. Pull I, up yeah, the, it's funny. I got to fire up the Xbox app. <laughs> I did notice this last night when I was I booted up my Xbox to get like Persona and stuff downloaded. I was like, oh, that's my score these days, huh? I wish... Here's what I know. It, mine is over 100,000, which is why... Okay, uh, you win. You win. Uh, do I win? <laughs> is it that easy? Okay, because yeah. like... Mine is high, but... Because that was that was the because I really I love achievements and trophies and stuff. I like to get them. I don't care about the number, right? Like the overall number is not what I'm chasing. It's just that if I love a game, I like having more excuses to keep playing it and try to get all the achievements and stuff. But it did surprise me uh, the other night when I was like, "Oh, I I broke a hundred thousand. I'm at six digits." At one point in time, I was an achievement hunter, but that was back when achievements first came onto the scene from like what 2006 to like 2012 is when i really care about achievements i mean were you guys mm-hmm. there like day one 
Like I yeah okay yeah because like I I I brought my Xbox 360. Oh, do you mean like day one 360 launch? Yeah, like I. Oh no, I I was not. Okay, I was a few years later. I was yeah, I was working at GameStop retail. I I I pulled it you know, uh, into my dorm, my college dorm, and I was like definitely the only person like in the vicinity that had a 360. Um, and I was like I think yeah, I got it like I was, a month. I was chasing later. achievements uh from day one. Oh, uh, so maybe that, I mean, that gives me a lot of, that's why I'm I, at 46,000 only okay. because uh, pretty much after 2012, I kind of, that's a lapsed achievement hunter, less than 50,000. Yeah. Well, I just started playing PlayStation for everything, uh, and kind of fell off of Xbox. How? And then I would play a lot of like multiplayer games where you would only really get Halo is always really good about multiplayer achievements, but a lot of games, didn't have great multiplayer achievements. Right. Uh, well, so I'd sink a ton of time into them and get barely any achievements. Okay. I have mine. So despite being accused of hating Xbox, uh, my gamer score is 72,241. God, the achievement right. hunter has the least. What's happening? <laughs> I said at one point I was like 15. <laughs> my friend, though, that I was, well, I also just gave up. Because my friend Josh, who at one point in time we were like neck and neck, he got a job at GameStop, or his brother did, and so he started getting a bunch of games on discount. Mm, bring and home I remember Avatar. one year, I think we were both at like we were both close to thirty thousand. We went from like five thousand to thirty thousand in like the span of like a year or two. No, oh, okay. And then he skyrocketed to like over a hundred thousand. Uh, and now these days, I could probably look it up, but he's probably close to like two hundred thousand. Uh, and at, at a certain point, after he like hit the initial skyrocket, I was just like, eh, "I'm done." There's no. Uh, but I have like I'm proud of some of mine. I've got like a hundred percent on the original Modern Warfare, which oh, uh, is a hard one because yeah. of Mile High Club on Veteran. I've got I've got you know a few of them. I don't think I have any 100% on Xbox. I have a few Platinums on PlayStation, but somehow I guess I just never... And I'm not a... I've never been an achievement trophy chaser person. Uh, Like, the few Platinums I have on PlayStation, which is like four, were like the rare exceptions. And it was kind of just like, well, I'm close enough, and these are attainable. I guess I'll do it. Yeah. (laughs) Um, yeah. Like I said, it's all... It's just if it's a game I love and I finish it, and I'm like, I don't want to stop playing yet, then it's like, then (laughs) I'll go after them, you know? For instance, I probably have six, seven hundred hours in Fortnite. I have zero achievements in that game. Oh, yeah, that game's bad because <laughs> it's all in the I was campaign. Say, like, how do you? Yeah, I was gonna say, how do you get a? Ch- I probably have campaign a trophy then because I was a I was a Fortnite founder. You know, I was one of the OGs oh, that were there yeah. from day one. I got the special thing to prove it: the glider. <laughs> yeah, got all the Portal Two so, achievements. Somerville recently. Which is yeah. funny because I, I played that game... game on PC and then I went and played it on Xbox and got all the achievements. Feels nice, right? Inside and Limbo. Limbo is probably like my proudest one because there's uh you have to beat the game in fewer than ten deaths, I think. Uh yeah. Ooh. which is tough. I wonder I might I might have all of insides. I think I I remember I think trying to actively get all because I don't think insides had a lot and they were like attainable. And I was like and I played that game twice. So maybe that's the one. I'm too lazy to look. Inside <laughs> is another one I'm I'm very proud of. I love if you know me at all, you know how much I love to play dead games and play them repeatedly. Inside, I have I got all the achievements for, and I did it 
before the game came out, which means uh, there was no way to look up that final puzzle. I figured it out myself, and I'll always be incredibly proud of that because it it's not an easy puzzle. <laughs> you got to so, listen to, like, sound cues and patterns and, like, find this room where you enter a bunch of, like, uh, or you have to, like, push a lever up, down, and left and right in a specific order. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, I'm sure a lot of people are able to just look it up with a guide these days, but I couldn't. I've got 860 out of 1,000 on Quantum Break. There you go. You didn't, you're missing one TV show you have to watch? I'm, lo- I'm looking to see what I have. <laughs> I was going to say, at a glance, the ones I'm closest to are Control, which I didn't realize. I, I like almost 80% of the way through Control, um, Artful Escape, and uh, The Gunk. The Gunk? Like, <laughs> That's so random. Yeah. <laughs> I guess because it was like a smaller game. I, I thought that game was fine. Oh, but like, nothing against that game. I, I, got- I played a little bit of them. It's, it's fine, but it's like, it's not one that I. It's it's funny that that's one of the ones that you were like almost <laughs> got all the yeah I have like just just shy of ninety percent of the achievements somehow and again I don't this is all just passive like I don't mm-hmm. look at I never look at achievements going into games or anything so whenever it pops up I'll do the thing of like reading the description I'm like oh what the hell did I do to deserve that <laughs> you know? that's so, funny yeah. oh actually. This might be the winner without going any further in my history. Life is Strange Before the Storm, Episode 1. <laughs> nice. I have 90% of the achievements. That's funny. I, I guess I'm missing like two, maybe. <laughs> I got to make a bad choice in that game to get the other ones. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe my goal for 2023 is to catch up with you guys on Gamer Score. Oh, I do. I have all the achievements and in inside. Never mind. There you go. I just found it. On, yeah. uh, I, that is the only 1,000% gamer score I have. Okay. That's awesome. That's a good one. I think my only 1,000 is the Call of Duty one uh, and Child of Light. I have 1,000 on that. Oh, oh random. Man, I forgot about Child game. of Light. Okay. Mm-hmm. That was a cool game. Yeah, I like that one a lot. And then I have like probably five Platinums on PlayStation. Uh, I don't have a ton. I'm not a completionist. Sadly for, enough, I have zero in Battleborn. Oh, never forever get any more. Aaron from the Overblood Facebook group asks the final question of the show. Will video recordings of you guys together doing the GI show return at some point? Just listening is not the same, but I get why it had to happen. Hoping it can go back to the old way. Um, Yeah, that's something that we've been talking about. I mean, that's honestly was a goal from the very beginning was, hey, I don't want this to be like a forever change, but it was just kind of like a... The way that the show is currently produced, we would need to change in order to facilitate that. And it's just a matter of making those changes and if they're worth it. I've heard resoundingly that a lot of the people in the community want video back. um, And I'm definitely wanting to make that happen at some point. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a proponent of that for sure. Um, But I, but with with the recognition that I think people underestimate how much it complicates things you know just in the post-production element of it it does make it harder there but um yeah i mean hopefully hopefully we can figure something out yeah we send off the edit to be edited just uh from our editor and just we've got a a process down right now and so we'd have to change that process amidst a lot of other stuff going on but i hear you and uh i've been brainstorming i also i'm about to move in a month and want to get that over with before Nah, dude, moving's easy. Moving takes like an hour. You're fine. I know. <laughs> but if I'm going to do a video podcast, I want to have like a cool set because I'm yeah. that person. And uh, yeah, so 
We're talking LED about boards it. behind you. And honestly, you know, just full disclosure, we've gotten a lot uglier since you last saw us. So like you think yeah. you want to see us again, but like yeah, I, I don't I don't think you know what you're asking for. Yeah, Marcus be... told me my hair looked bad before we started recording. I think it were your exact words. You said your hair looks ugly. Is it right? That's I what asked you said, like, Marcus, right? I did hear I said, that. has it always been red? <laughs> Is that what didn't you really he, asked? Didn't it used to be a better color? <laughs> no, oh, I think okay. I said, I think my I didn't like the way my hair looked when we first started, and uh, oh, yeah, I was just like, "Oh, let me fix my hair." And Marcus was like, "Oh, I think it looks it looks good. It looks the same as it always does." And I was like, "How could yeah, you?" Yeah, the tried and true right response now. when it, you know, if anyone has any like partners out there to ask them, "Hey, do I look okay?" and you say you look the same, and you think that's a good answer, <laughs> they love that. Usually isn't. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, you've been heard, Aaron, and there are people both behind the scenes and uh, in front of the scenes, I, I, I guess, uh, that are, uh, you know, proponents for that happening again. So, yeah, thanks for your patience. Uh, well, with that being said, everybody, let's uh, let's wrap this show up again. Go follow Kyle and Marcus on social uh, at Kyle M. Hilliard. That's with two L's at the end uh, in Hilliard. That is. Uh, and then Marcus Stewart at Marcus Stewart seven. Uh, and then you can follow me at it's van Aiken. Uh, of course, review the show. We really appreciate it. Uh, I see there's a lot of folks rating it on Spotify. So if you're listening on Spotify, go and leave us a five star review. If you don't mind, it's actually easier on Spotify. Cause you, there's no words that you have to write. You just click the button. Um, if you're on Apple podcast and you take time to write a review, we'll definitely, uh, give you a shout out and read it off, uh, as it definitely helps us out. Um, all right, everybody, we will see you next week. Uh, we've got some exciting weeks coming up in terms of cover stuff, and it's just, it's just going to be a good time. I think people are going to be excited. But, um, yeah, uh, we'll talk to everybody next week. Goodbye. Goodbye.